0: We are quite honest to our client. We always say, hey, um, hi you, no problem. But if you're very old, mm. um, can you accept that? Because mm. it won't be like perfect property. Like hi you, brand new, mm. in good location. It doesn't exist.
1: You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast The show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time, which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junus Yu. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Building Financial Fitness podcast. So today we wanted to be talking about investing in overseas property, and we have Glass Wu from Japan Hana Real Estate. Welcome, Glass. It's been a long time since I last saw you. <laughs> yes, um,
0: Janice, uh, it's been a while to see you. And I remember last time we met, like, maybe
1: in Singapore eight years ago. Yes. And thank you for inviting me today. It's a pleasure because I actually wanted to talk to you about, you know, what you've done since then because you actually have spent a fair bit of time in real estate in Japan. So as someone who is actually not from Japan, what got you interested in the Japan property market?
0: So I originally from Hong Kong, mm. and I live in Japan for more ten years. Mm. In the beginning, like I start my business like this company in Tokyo first mm. to help all the overseas investor to invest in Japan property. I always like have um, interest in property market, but um, why Japan property? Because I have a lot of Taiwanese, Singaporean, or Hong Kong friends mm. that are asking about how to invest in Japan, especially because in Japan the language like the barrier for them to to look for a property also Mm -hmm. the contract because the legal language is japanese yes also like the real estate market in japan is quite off market so channels there's a lot of overseas investors they are actually quite interested in in japan property but Mm -hmm. they don't know how to get in or they how to source the property so they need someone to help Mm. i was actually doing real estate in hong kong So um, then I start this company, Japan Hunter Real Estate, and then we basically focus on only Japan property and to all the overseas investors to help them to invest in Japan property, also like um, helping them to manage the property after Mm. that.
1: So like, let's say, if you know, for rental properties, so you help with that.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm. So we, we basically do all kind of asset in Japan mm. from apartments, residential to commercial, also hotels mm. or like a land development as well as golf course. Okay. Yeah, we, we cover quite a lot. We cover all of Japan. Mm. But um, so back to your question, why Japan property? So I think like 10 years ago, Japan property is still like for foreigners quite new investment. Mm. Um, I think for Singaporean investor, they most of them favor. Familiar with UK property, sometimes maybe Hong Kong property, or you invest some other like uh, other country property, but not Japan. Mm-hmm. But ten years ago the Abe prime, ex-prime minister. Mm. Um, he has a like, three hours, the plan, and actually that helps uh, the yen weaken. Mm. And it's actually helped lots of foreign money to get into, to invest in Japan. Yep. So there's uh, lots of potential of Japan market. I think mm. like compare uh, the Japan property market price compared to Hong Kong and Singapore. Mm. Like we, we are all like a top city in Asia. Yes. But, Singapore is very expensive. Like Singapore recently, <laughs> has
1: definitely moved upwards. You know, in the last year, yeah, um, rental prices have you know on average gone up around 40 percent. Yeah, I heard about um, that. And there's been a huge rise for sure.
0: Yes, so Singapore, um, no doubt, the property price like one of the top in Asia or even in the world right now, and Hong Kong as well. Mm. So compare like all the top cities, but Tokyo is still like. I would say some of the property you can find like similar location area. You can buy like, I would not say half price, mm-hmm. but like 10 years ago, yes, mm. it was like half price of our compared to Hong Kong and Singapore. Mm. It's still like lots of potential. We still see next 10, 20 years, Tokyo or like a whole Japan property price will go up a lot. And which is already like keep going up, mm. but in very steady way, not yep. like um, crazy not way. Volatile
1: <laughs> up and down, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: not, not like, like Hong Kong and Singapore. So that's why we think it's a very good investment. In Japan, and very interesting actually. Recently, we we just have a Singaporean investor today in Tokyo. Mm. Uh, my staff, my partner, they they showing him around. Mm-hmm. We've been like actually like selling also property to Singaporean investors. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, I mean, you are seeing it on the ground and Bloomberg in July 2023 actually covered a piece of Singaporean investors that are snapping up Japanese real estate because one, you know, they are lured by the weaker yen and then second is the prospect of, you know, the tourism that's all kind of like coming back in into Japan, right? But it's not even confined to the golden triangle because I think... Um, Earlier this year, Rice Media, which is a local media outlet, actually covered a story of a Singaporean who reportedly bought a 120 square meters guest house in 2022 for $30,000 in the rural village in Wakayama. I mean, this one is sort of like in the outskirts. But then if for Singaporeans, when they're thinking about buying properties for something that's coming at $30,000, it's, you just think like, oh my God, like that's so affordable but kind of looking into the reasons why singaporeans are actually keen to actually invest outside a lot of it is the mechanisms put in place that might make it more difficult for singaporeans to purchase you know, a second or subsequent property in Singapore. So in last year in 2022, there was an increase in ABSD, where Singaporeans actually have to pay 17% ABSD on top of the standard rates on their second property. So in the past, property was actually an excellent hedge against inflation. But then, you know, when people are looking at second-time purchases, they're actually considering options in gateway cities. So for you, when you, I mean, given that, you know, you actually speak to Singaporean clients who are actually looking to purchase property in Japan, what are your top three tips for people who are looking to invest in overseas property? And is there anything specific to the Japanese market?
0: Yes. So like the article you mentioned, the Bloomberg one, actually we were also interviewed by them. Mm -hmm. In the same article, they are discussing about the um, Osaka Casino, Mm. which is confirmed and is planning to be open in 2029. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say for the tips to invest in Japan party market. I think like um, when you invest in property, is already the same um, location. is very important. Mm. I would definitely recommend the first is a good location, big cities. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned the guy, Singaporean investor who invests in Wakayama is mm. elsewhere. I think it's good. But for investment perspective, I would still say if it's a beginner, mm. that I would definitely recommend like the top. Definitely Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, mm. those big cities mm. for the first in property investment yep. in Japan. Because at the end of the day, uh, we are foreigners, so we always uh, recommend the investor. They have we have to think about the resale value, mm. not only their return, but also is very important for. I- of course like the capital gain is not like in Singapore compared to Singapore. Like like every year and year percentage that high. Mm-hmm. But it's still like a big city is um, easier to resell, the resale value is higher and it's e- easy to rent it out. The cash flow is more stable. And the second tip would be like the investor, they have to determine their purpose of the invest when they invest in Japan property. Mm -hmm. So some of our investors, they say, okay, I like ski, so I would like to invest in Niseko. Niseko is one of uh, another very popular destination for Singaporean investor to invest. You're right. But um, I would say Niseko property is quite different when you invest compared with with the property in Tokyo or Osaka. Because Niseko is like a more for leisure. It's more like a resort type.
1: Yeah, so I think I actually looked at some properties in the cycle and the thing is there is seasonality because people are there in the skiing periods and then in the months of summer like you're you're going to have that huge drop in terms of you know people who are looking to rent that property yes so if you look at it on a full year basis In terms of like occupancy rate, you're not going to get the full year as opposed to like a city like Tokyo, you would have people who are there who are like renting for the full year.
0: Yes, exactly. So we can talk about like past three years, the pandemic. So definitely affect the um, income of those hospitality assets, the hotel resort assets, the Niseko one Um, the same because people couldn't like travel to to Japan. So most of the property actually, they couldn't get any cash flow, their Mm. rental income. So we have to think about it when you invest. But, I'm not saying like oh not to invest in sacred it's not like that it's like um, you have to make a decision like I just this morning I talked to another my investor so they ha- he has a different kind of like property mm. so one's like for own use for family and one is just for fun another one is actually for investment so um, when we recommend the city and the property to our investor we always ask them so what's your ultimate goal and mm. like your purpose for, for the is investment so then we can give you a right recommendation otherwise uh, we because like for us we we can't we're not only an agency we're also like consulting firm like um, teaching the client how to uh, invest as well as like the financing um, tax part as well so it, it's quite complicated when it comes to like when you invest the overseas, overseas property i mean the japan property right mm. so I think the Niseko one is, is, is good, even though like the occupancy rate is not that high for mm-hmm. a whole year, but they, they do sometimes get a quite good um return during mm. the ski season. Yes. So the investor have to think about and uh, think about it. Oh, okay, like um they can just get like those cash flow, but during summer they won't going into rent it like, most of the time, not really. And they say, Okay, sure, no problem. And also like those property is um maybe some of them not able to get financing. Mm. Um s- so, but big city, I would not say every property we can get financing as a non-resident, mm-hmm. like an overseas investor. But some of them, like in Tokyo or Osaka, because the location and is more stable cash flow, mm-hmm. um, we can also help sourcing the finance financing option for for uh, non-resident mm-hmm. investors. Mm-hmm. So that's my second tips. So mm-hmm. the last one, don't always look into return. Mm-hmm. Because for 10 years ago, or even 7, 8 years ago, like Tokyo, you can get like 6% return. Or like Osaka, you can get 8%. Mm. But, but it was before. But the price because increasing a lot. Is That's that rental yield? It's a
1: rental yield. It's an entry rental yield. Like, rental yield? Rental yield?
0: Rental yield? like mm. if you go to the outskirts of Japan, you can find more than 10%. Mm. So we often got requests, hey, uh, we are looking for very high yield property. And the, some of the other agency um, who focus on the overseas investor, they don't tell you this. Which is, yeah, I have like ten percent, eleven or eight percent, eight percent, very high yield property, mm. but the location is terrible, mm. and if it's the location very terrible, it's very difficult to resell. That's the mm. first one, and secondly, when the current tenant move out. It took long time to get ready out one. again. Yes, because we saw that a lot because we also have a management company mm. and there's a lot of trouble. And we so that we always tell our client, don't only look at the return. Return mm. doesn't mean everything. Mm. You also have to look at the, the tenants profile. Mm-hmm. Are there a long term tenant? Is it a good location that you can actually increase the rent in the future? Or if it's too outskirts, sometimes you have to drop the price. Mm. So um, good location, actually, even the yield is not that high, which recently like like Tokyo around like three to four percent. But the capital gain definitely is the property price is increasing. Mm. So, when the investor we always really recommend we have to look overall the profile of the property, not only because one number
1: mm. yeah, so
0: I think that's very, very
1: important and I guess it also depends on the investment horizon of the investor right because if 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 somebody was more of looking to flipping properties like buying and then me selling three years, three, five years down the road, then they would more look at capital appreciation. Yes. and and maybe not not care so much about like the rental yield, for example. Yeah, but then if it's somebody who's maybe more long term or maybe plus planning to hold on to it, then maybe. They would appreciate like a high rental yeah, yield exactly. and not care so much about capital yeah. appreciation.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it would be like the second, what we talk about when we're talking about the purpose. Mm. So the purpose is a long term hold. Yes, it doesn't really matter because you, you may not sell within the like, 10 years. Mm. Then let's say you get like 80%, 10 years or mm. 80%, and when you sell, actually, it's uh, not, not really. Quite quite good, right? But if you like tend to maybe sell five six years, then we definitely we have to look into. It. But I I think like we can balance it as well. Mm-hmm. Not all the high yield property is not good, but usually it's maybe older properties. There's always some. Downside of that property, mm. we we are quite honest to our client. We always say, "Hey, um, hire you, no problem." But if you very old, mm. um, can you accept that? Because mm. it won't be like perfect property, like hire you, brand new and mm. good location. It does exist. Yeah, because even I, I think like in other country, the property always the same. Old property hire you, new property lower you, because the the perspective is different. Yeah, mm.
1: let's say you know like uh, we consider the demographics in Japan because more of like aging population, right? Because the, then the question is, you know, how how much rental demand is there? So you, if we look at Tokyo, let's say if I were to purchase a property in the Roppongi area, for example, um, mm-hmm. and I come to you, you like, give me a sense of like, what are typical prices in the area? How old are these buildings in general? How easy would it be? for me to find a tenant and usually what's the profile of this tenant if we're talking about residential mm-hmm.
0: Uh okay so even let's say Lopongi area which is a central area in Tokyo for the building year it really depends because mm. there's a lot of new development coming out mm. also there's a lot of old property like in Hong Kong like mid-level mm. the one of the top expensive area mm. so we have lots of very old 50, 60 years old still worth a lot very mm. expensive mm. so it's kind of same in the Pongi mm. so for the build year I, I cannot like really say okay this is how how average there's no average this mm. is a very old because even the lamb. Is worth a lot mm. because right now, like um, the demand increasing quite a lot in whole Tokyo. So even old property, the land worth a lot because it's freehold land mm. in Japan. So doesn't matter about the area if it's a good location. it's still the value is quite high. Right. But if it's Lupongi, is it like a more Orchard Road? <laughs> Crazy <laughs> like com- compared to Singapore, more more like as expat, like the yes. bankers, yes. right. So I think it's quite similar, which is like, it's quite easy to run it out. Mm. And we usually will recommend a property with already have a tenant inside, mm. which is good because after you, you invest, you buy, immediately you have a cash flow. You yeah. don't need to worry about when you can get the tenants. There's no like um, the period there for vacancy or we can introduce a property with um, which is a vacancy. You can go and see. Like, like what you say, you just want a cash flow. We just introduce a property with existing tenancy tenants. agreement. yeah. Mm. And most of the, the tenants, I think like in those areas, they are um, high professional names. Like, like they are bankers or work for some other like uh, big companies. And I think Japanese, they tend to, when they rent, mm. they tend to live longer. Mm. They don't really, like, move out that easily. Mm. I think because the initial cost also costs a lot for when you rent a place.
1: Okay, what's the initial cost like? Like, what goes into that?
0: So, usually when you rent a place in, in Japan, like, the normal deposit is two months. Mm. And there's a we call key money, mm. Legging in Japanese. Mm. The key money is actually, you, you don't get it back. Oh, it's so just really a, a money to a owner.
1: It's not a security deposit that no, you get back. No, deposit
0: is two months. So mm. plus one to two months key money. Oh, if it's if it's a very good property, um, mm. usually they will ask you to pay two months, mm-hmm. and which is that's a non-refundable. Mm. And as well as there's a guarantee company, guarantor company, because in Japan when you rent a property you need a guarantor. But recently the new trend is you you pay one month fee to those guarantor company and they will guarantee you. Mm. So, it's kind of, so it's already five months, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, like moving fee. Mm-hmm. And um, like initial, you have to pay the first month. So like it could easily cost you like six to seven months yes. to, to rent a place. So they don't usually like, like move because every two years, if you move, they cost <laughs> you a
1: lot. Yeah, because if like for every two years you're in a place, you're paying like six months, a quarter yeah. of, of your total and that's that's wow well, that's really high. I mean, in Singapore, there isn't that concept, as you know, but there's a security deposit which you know is returned after at the end of the tenancy.
0: Yeah, mm. um, the deposit two months, yes, is returned, but mm. after the the cleaning fee, that mm. stuff. So, but the key money depends on the property. Usually, a good location. They, they they the owner um they know because there's a demand,
1: mm. so they can
0: charge you. But yeah, at least like four to six months mm-hmm. initially. So that's why the rental contract in Tokyo is very stable. Mm. And the occupancy rate in Tokyo is uh, more than like 80%, 90%. Mm. That's the reason I think lots of foreign investors, they're investing um the Tokyo property.
1: Got it. And, um, you know, one thing that we see in the Singapore property market is sort of the absurgence of co-living kind of arrangements. Yeah, co living is the ones if you know where they sometimes they lie over the building. There is sh- shared facilities, and uh, usually as you know, for Singapore the largest larger players they cater to expats where they're coming to Singapore, and there is this like community focus and with all the shared with sh- shared facilities. Um, in the area. And for them, you know, the the yield on those kind of properties can be quite attractive. Do you see that playing out in Japan?
0: Actually, it's starting, um, there are some this kind of property, the co-living, we mm. say, the co-living property. For those investment, like, if the investor want to invest those kind of uh, investment, mm. which means you have to Acquire whole building.
1: Yes, it's a much larger project.
0: Yes, it will be more larger project. But yes, we do have a lot of operator who is operating the co living Mm. and that's getting very popular. Especially like recently, lots of uh foreigners they moved to Japan to work. Mm. So they tend to stay this kind of co-living rather than the normal residential and especially the guarantor company I mentioned mm-hmm. and the key money because for co-living, usually they don't charge a lot. Mm. They charge less, maybe one month deposit and so much easier to rent it. I mean, mm. to move in. Yes. Less initial costs yep. and uh, foreigner-friendly. Mm. So it actually, is getting, getting more popular in Japan
1: as well. Nice. And I think we covered quite a bit on, you know, what are the tips for Singaporeans who are looking into go into the Japan real estate market for listeners who want to maybe find out more about property in Tokyo, uh, Kyoto, etc. And if they want to get in touch with you, where where can they find you?
0: So they can actually go to our website, Mm -hmm. japan-hana.com. And we have a full language, including Chinese. So we have all staff who can speak Japanese, Chinese, English, Mm -hmm. um, including Cantonese. Oh,
1: for the Hong Kong market. (laughs)
0: For the Hong Kong market, yes, exactly. So they can easily just go to our website and to explore. We have a lot of different kind of assets of Mm. the uh, property. And we also have one-stop service for the investor, uh, including after service, which is uh, property management part, mm. and set up the company, all, all the stuff, yes. <laughs> well,
1: some of the paperwork, helping with the paperwork, which is important, yeah. necessary, important and not so fun. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, glass for being on. It was a pleasure having you and thanks for telling us about the Japanese property market.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcasts at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at missfitfi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more... Please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on Me Listen or Apple Podcast, or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness podcast is an original production from Mediacorp and recorded at Skate Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time.